We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Corner Podcast. I'm Kel Dansby, of course, you know, here with. The great Andreas Hale. I will say that this episode because he is so right about something. Finally. He, he took offense to that on Twitter. But I had to admit it. He is very right. He's been saying it for a while. We'll get into that in a second. But a packed week. We have to talk about WWE upcoming pay-per-view, which is Fastlane. The last one before WrestleMania. We have to talk about NXT, ROH Anniversary Show, we have boxing. Deontay Wilder was the talk of boxing last weekend. We'll discuss that. We also have the UFC. Me and Andreas were both 
at UFC 222. Chris Cyborg keeping that strap. We'll see what the future holds for one of the biggest pay-per-view draws in the UFC. I can't believe I'm saying that about Cyborg. It's amazing what time does. So, packed show today. Dre, crazy week. We have the Oscars to start off with, though. You know, you, you're a man of many hats. Every year you yeah. go to Sundance, you're, you're cultured. Movie-wise, what do you think about this Oscars? Um, uh, I haven't seen The Shape of Water, but apparently I'm surprised that it won, like many other people. I thought three billboards over Ebbing, Missouri would have won. Um, but ultimately, I mean, Get Out wasn't going to win. As much as I enjoy the film and a lot of people enjoy the film, it's like that kind of genre of like horror never wins. Um, but Jordan Peele winning uh, Best Original Screenplay, that that's amazing. He's the first black man ever to do so. Um, I mean, this wasn't the Oscars. It was boring. I, I, like, I, didn't, I didn't really watch it. I kind of just was looking at the results. Um, I wanted to see if Jordan Peele won that award, and I wanted to make sure Coco won Best Animated Film. And Francis McDermott, who was excellent in Three Billboards Over Ebbing, Missouri, uh, I wanted to make sure she won, but I, she was going to run away with that title anyway. Um, but other than that, I mean, it kind of went as planned. There were no huge surprises except for The Shape of Water. Uh, and we just have next year to look forward to it. Apparently, Disney and, is, and Marvel are going to make a push for Black Panther to get nominated. So it's really early. Usually movies that come out this early, like Get Out, don't usually get those kind of nods, but you never know. Black Panther being nominated would be insane. I'm sure it'll win something, right? Um, like visual effects, cinematography, mm-hmm. something crazy. I, I don't know. I don't see anything topping it oh, visual I mean, effects-wise. Well, I mean, to be honest, the, the you know that was my only qualm with Black Panther. Some of the CGI was very cartoonish. Um, and if anything's going to challenge Black Panther, it'll be Infinity War. If you're going to talk about cinematography, oh, that's but, true. But yeah, you're not going to put it up against its own its own yeah, brethren. You know, I would think the campaign would be for you know maybe best supporting actress or something like that, or maybe best supporting actor for uh, Michael B. Jordan. I, I think that that'll be the campaign. But aside from that, I mean, it, it's it's early, man. We got there's a lot of movies coming up. It's very early, so we'll see what happens. But uh, you know. The Oscars are the Oscars. And at this point, we've done so well as black people. We've done so well. You know, Moonlight winning last year. Uh, Jordan Peele winning this year. Lena Waithe doing her thing for uh, the Golden Globes as well. So it's like, I'm cool. You know, the white people awards, because that's what they are, really. The <laughs> they the just throw us a bone. Yeah, so I'm all right. If we don't win, I mean, we're, we're still winning. Like Atlanta premiered recently. The first episode with Florida Man was phenomenal. Uh, you know, so I, I'm not, I'm not too concerned with uh what the oscars i'm happy for um guillermo del toro winning for the shape of water though i mean the man isn't even from the states and he had a great speech but uh yeah it's the oscars man i I watch it but i don't care that much yeah the best part to me was the reactions and uh key just going crazy when peel won yeah that was that was dope to see Man, you know the funny thing is, I I just never liked the Key and Peele show. I I didn't like it. <laughs> you were one of the people who thought it was like a watered down Chappelle show. Yeah, I mean it. It was. It was. Yeah, it was. You know, it was a variety show that they put on. And, you know, that Dave Chappelle was gone. They needed to fill that space, and you know, it was very hit or miss. There were some great skits, and there were some skits that weren't so great. So I remember when you know Get Out was first. The trailer first came out, and I saw Jordan Peele's name. I was like, well, this is interesting. Like, I'm intrigued. I want to see it. But, you know, after seeing Keanu, I was like, mm, I don't, you know, I, <laughs> I also know. saw Keanu, unfortunately. Yeah, I was like, mm, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, 
clearly Jordan Peele is an excellent writer and director, and uh, to see him get his due is, is excellent. I, I didn't see it coming. I thought, you know, maybe this would be an interesting, scary movie for black people. I didn't think it was going to be that good. I mean, ultimately, Get Out will be the movie that we talk about like five to ten years from now. Nobody's really going to talk about The Shape of Water in like five to ten years. People will be talking about Get Out. Yeah, it has the long-lasting impact. And uh, it's nice to see someone just that happy for their friend. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, people are calling Key the Janetti of the duo, which might be fair. Even though, you know, I watch uh, the little Netflix show he has and all that. Um so he's doing things. It's not like yeah. he's doing nothing. Janetti is disrespectful. Maybe he's like the Christian to peel's yeah, edge. Like that no. that's fair. That's a good comparison. Yeah, he's he's doing well. I mean he has Netflix shows. He has he's done doing well. There's you know, there's there's no complaints on that side. He's definitely not Janetti. Whoever says that is they really being disrespectful to his career. Marty Janetti got thrown through the barbershop window and was literally like never seen it again. You know, I think he <laughs> felt the drug test and he was out. Like it, like that's not the same for Key. Yeah, nah, not at all. So I mean, that was dope. I haven't been that happy for a friend in forever. Uh, like you know, we're genuinely happy, but that response is crazy. That's like yeah. when when your boy. When no one thought he was going to pull it's dope to see that emotion that the shock he was genuinely shocked that it won not that it was that good not that it was good enough to win that it actually won and they gave it props yeah so that yeah. that was dope uh are you surprised because last year around this time you came back from sundance the talk of the town was birth of a nation right it didn't go to netflix because they wanted it to be a war award eligible i that was last year right i'm not no, that was two years ago two years ago yeah oh ain't that some shit well i'll be it got snubbed last year um talking about birth of the nation though like i wanted to lead into you you always have that ear at uh sundance you always go you watch everything you're, you're amongst the people anything this year where you're looking like yo this might be nominated of all the films that i saw uh, the one that stuck out to me the most was Sorry to Bother You. Um, it's Boots Rally from the Cool, his directorial debut. The uh, Key Stansfield starring in it. Tessa Thompson's in it. It is just a really bizarre ass film. Um, but it's it's good. And, and it, it's hard to really quantify it because, you know, it's like the, I wouldn't say it's like the Twilight Zone. It's kind of like has elements like Cosmic Slop, which a lot of people didn't see. It was on HBO like years ago. I was going to say, I never saw that. <laughs> yeah, Cosmic Slop is this movie. Uh, well, it was like a Twilight Zone for black folks. It came out on HBO in like 94. And I have it on VHS. And I, my youth group, we watched it um, together. And it's just, it's crazy. Like, sorry to bother you in short without giving too much away. Uh, it's about a, a guy who's a telemarketer. And this Keith Stansfield is a telemarketer. And uh, he's sitting next to Danny Glover, who's not really Danny Glover. He's, you know, he's, old, he's the old guy at the telemarketer. He's like, why aren't you using your white voice? And he's like, what? <laughs> so he's like, use your white voice. So he starts using his white voice and he starts becoming really good at his job. Then shit just spirals into this ridiculous, like, downward spiral of, like, race, um, slavery. It's, dude, the movie is fucking bananas. But... I mean, it's the one movie that I saw at Sundance, and, and this was a, a season, there were a lot of movies, but this is the one that I saw at Sundance that I was like, hmm, this could be interesting, because it's completely different than what anybody, because Get Out was a Sundance film, and I didn't go to Sundance that year, because, you know, wife was pregnant with my daughter, 
But um, Get Out was a Sundance film. Like, this is along that vein. It, it left a lot of people walking away going, what the fuck did I just watch? Holy shit. <laughs> that movie, sorry to bother you, um, it comes out in theaters, I believe the date is June 20. But it's not going to be for everybody. It's one of those movies, like, it takes so many hard lefts, and there's just some really out there shit that happens in the movie that there's going to be a lot of people that be like, mm, this ain't for me. But it's it, it looks great um, as well. Like, Terry Crews is in it. He has hair. Uh, which is weird. <laughs> That's already weird. All right. Yeah, uh, Army Hammer's in it. Um, Hammer's in it. He's. He, I mean, every it's it's a great movie. Uh, but I, it's the one movie that that I know I was talking about. There was a few others, but nothing that I think could be Oscar worthy. That's the only film that I could see that could probably be like a best original screenplay. Um, but again, we're so early in the year. We'll see what happens. Yeah. You know, we always got to put you on the spot, though. You got to put people up on stuff early between movies and music. Try, try to, you know, get people your inside scoop. You're, you're the voice to the people who listen to this podcast. So I'll definitely check that out when it hits. Uh, let's talk about wrestling. Because what? It's Combat Sports Podcast. That's what we're here to do. I feel like there's a ton of wrestling coming up, and that's always the case, right? It's mania season. We're only a couple weeks away. We're in this, like, home stretch, and it doesn't feel like it's a pay-per-view weekend. No. It's so weird. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about Raw first, though. So, Raw, we have Ronda Rousey opening up Raw. We're going to see this every week, aren't we? She's just going to open it or close it. Yeah, I mean, we're at that point where it's, you know, that's the biggest mainstream attraction, and they're trying to get people who watch there in the UFC, or just people who are fans of Ronda Rousey, because Ronda brought a lot of people to the UFC, a lot of women to the UFC. I guess they're trying to hope the same thing happens for pro wrestling. And uh, yeah, so now we got our mixed tag match that, you know, a lot of us saw coming. But uh, yeah, we're opening or closing. It's going to be a lot of Ronda Rousey for the next few weeks. I thought she was awkward again. I she was spots in the middle. I, I like scowling Rousey though. She she has one of the best mean mugs in the game, right? That that was her claim to fame in the UFC. Like that mean mug can't be coached. But when she tries to speak, it's still very very awkward, and there's still way too much smiling. Yeah, she's still happy to be here. Um, the one thing that she hasn't mastered yet is her t- her her beats. Like when Stephanie McMahon speaks, she leaves room for things to sink into the crowd. Um, she speaks with authority. Like if you watch John Cena cut a promo and you watch what John Cena did when he first came into WWE, he cuts promos differently. Like he takes a breath. Uh, Ronda's kind of, you can't have a conversation into the microphone. You have to speak like you're speaking at people. And Ronda hasn't done that yet. Like she completely blew the timing where Stephanie Mann called for the drum roll and she just said you and like nobody really heard it. Yeah, but, that was so awkward. Yeah, it was really strange. But I mean, with time, I think she'll get better. And again, I, I keep saying this, like people have been shitting on Ronda. And I understand, you know, some people just don't want to see her win. Some people just don't think she can. But for me, I just think practice makes perfect. And she's kind of getting a crash course in WWE. And she's got to learn quick. Not that I don't think she can do it. I think eventually she'll get it, the hang of it. But I think cutting promos in front of large crowds for the first time and trying to understand pro wrestling style is going to be difficult. And she's going to stumble. And she's not done stumbling. There'll be a few more of these before we get to WrestleMania. Definitely. And I think uh, in ring, I think she'll be fine out the gate. She'll um, be solid. I think, I think she, again, the, the bar, like people act like the bar is so high. I mean, she's not going to be a Sasha or a Charlotte or an Asuka. But she should, you know, Sonya Deville, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Big Mac. Oh, the, the real quick jab. Big Mac's girl, uh, Sonya Deville. So 
Ronda, you know, came out, and then we get whining John Cena. Yo, okay. I don't like this gimmick. I don't. I don't know where they've taken this character, but I am not for whining every damn week, John Cena. And if you're on SmackDown, go to SmackDown. This okay. So one, I figured that they put in John Cena on SmackDown to maybe have people watch Fastlane because nobody gives a shit about it. Um, and that match, I can't. I can't for the life of me imagine that the original iteration for the six pack challenge was the six pack challenge. I feel like something lost steam between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and AJ Styles, and they just started adding people to it. Because there's, there's really no reason Dolph Ziggler should be in that match. Dog, you just dropped the U.S. title, you gave it back, and now you're in the title picture. Baron Corbin, why? None of this ma- makes any sense. So, But John Cena's story, like, I get it. This whole, I need to find my way to WrestleMania, but it's like you're John Cena. Like, you're always going to find your way to WrestleMania. If you're healthy, you're going to be on WrestleMania. But I guess we got a kayfabe, right? We got to say, oh, I got to win a match. <laughs> but I, I ultimately still think this all leads to him facing The Undertaker. I just don't like the way that he's bitching and moaning about, you know, he needs to win. I mean, dog, the way the crowd reacted when he was talking about giving AJ Styles an immediate rematch for a triple threat in media, it tells you right there, like, this is the right way to do this. You're, you're not doing John any favors by having him come out every week talking about what he needs to do. Like, in order to get to WrestleMania, you don't have to be the champion. Just go have a match. Go find you a feud. But to intrude at you know the free agent loophole, it's it's bad. It's it's really bad planning and and SmackDown, which we'll talk about in a minute, SmackDown's really, really bad lately. It's not good. Like Road Dog has to be under the gun. Like it, it really does. I job security and friendship can only go so far. And he has the worst product on the entire roster. Yeah. Easily. Two two oh five live that I've caught sparingly is better than SmackDown right now. Yeah, SmackDown's not good. It, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's not good. It has no direction. Like, no, Charlotte's in a meaningless feud. Yeah, there's no heat with Ruby Riot and Charlotte whatsoever. None. None. It's, this is bad. And even the, the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens thing, like the way SmackDown ended, and I know we got to go back to Raw, but it's like, why are we doing this already? Like, you put them together for what? Like this whole thing with Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. It's just, it's bad. It's been handled bad. And I, you know, maybe, it, maybe bro dogs is the sole person to blame, but there's a lot of hands in that pot and they're all doing really bad because nothing except for the Usos in the new day, which feels weird because I feel like it was rushed. It, there was nothing. Yeah. Like all of this just feels really strange. More importantly, I don't see how having these uh, co-branded pay-per-views help SmackDown out at all. Like, I, I don't necessarily like the separate brand pay-per-views, but where SmackDown's at right now, that means a lot more guys aren't going to be on the pay-per-view. Oh, like, yeah, because Raw is going to get the spots. Yes, it, but I mean, it, the show was handled better. Um, and the most mystifying thing to me is still is Bobby Roode being a babyface. Like, I don't fucking get any of this. I don't know what's going on in SmackDown, so... Will I watch Fastlane? Sure. Am I going to watch it live? Probably not. I'll probably watch it the next day and just mute y'all so I don't get any spoilers. But <laughs> There's, not, not there's nothing hurry. to spoil. Like, what's yeah. going to be spoiled? Like, Charlotte's going to drop the belt? No. Nah, I just figured maybe Undertaker comes out or um, something happens to Six Pack Challenge to set up WrestleMania. Maybe something interesting happens there. I doubt it. I just... I'm a person. I just really hate spoilers. I hate having boxing. I hate having sports spoiled for me. I like to watch sports like I don't know what the hell's going on. So when it's spoiled, then I have no reason to watch it. I won't watch Fastlane if it's spoiled for me. 
Yeah, that's also true. Like, yeah, because then you just know what the hell is happening. Yeah. Um, how much can they change in three weeks? Apparently a lot, man. I mean, it's weird that WrestleMania is, what is it, three to four weeks away, and we really don't have a WrestleMania card yet. We have some ideas of where some things are going. Like, obviously, Lesnar and, and Roman, we've got that. Now we got, which I told you, we have a multi-man match, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, and The Miz. Um, hopefully, they don't add anybody to that. Uh but SmackDown really, I mean, the winner versus Nakamura, so I guess that's still technically up in the air. Um, it feels like the winner of the New Day and the Usos is going to face uh, Rowan and Harper for the yeah, tag Yeah, but then you're going to have one. The Usos have been carrying the belt all year, the best tag team in the company. You're going to keep them off of WrestleMania again? Off the main card again? Nah, Usos are going to win. Um, but I think... If the Usos manage to lose, there's some quirky finish. Then we have like a three-way match for the tag team titles. Yeah, I you can't think keep so New too. Day out of WrestleMania. Yeah, no, because like, they have to do something. And they can't host again. Yeah. So, eh, this, I, this is like, what is Rusev gonna do? That's, I mean, I'm a big fan of Rusev. Oh, what he's gonna, gonna be do? in the the Andre the Giant. He's That's a prime true. candidate to win, though. But it's it's like does it even matter? No, but because, he's like, he's on the program. Some people aren't even on Mania. Well, like, I mean, we don't know. Like like right now, we have this weird Bobby Roode versus Randy Orton thing where Jinder Hall Jinder Mahal keeps injecting himself into the feud. So it sounds like they're gonna go with Jinder in the U.S. title picture at Mania. Yeah. But where does that leave like Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin? Everybody who loses at the Six Pack Challenge, where do they all go? SmackDown is a, a mess, and they have to fix it quick. But uh, Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens might not get a, a one-on-one match. I, At this I, pace, I, I, they might I be in the, in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. I don't think they're breaking up. I really don't. And if they do, I think it's, the, it's just another in the long line of terrible decisions that SmackDown is making. Like, this whole, the whole thing is, is, done, is stupid, it's contrived, it's happened too quick. You put them together, what? Six months ago, and you're already tearing them apart. Yep. Why? Why even? Why even do that? They haven't even had a major match. No, they the, their biggest feud is with Daniel Bryan and and Shane, and that, that's like, gone nowhere. This isn't a blood feud, right? Like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens is a blood feud. It's one of those feuds that it, it's like Ciampa and Gargano. It's like a feud that you want to see blood. Right now, it's just two guys who want to fight for the title, who are friends. It, it doesn't scream like, oh, I need to see some kind of crazy, vicious, no-holds-barred match at WrestleMania, especially not in three weeks. So it, none of this makes sense. Like, WrestleMania is shaping up to be another very average show. Like, WrestleMania does not feel like WrestleMania anymore. And, you know, granted, we're getting Styles and Nakamura, which seems like what's happening, and that's going to be exciting. They but haven't even let them talk. They Again. haven't even interacted with each other. Like, I, and therein lies the problem. Oh we have no build. Like, we know us us fans of, of wrestling know that Styles versus Nakamura, if it's anything like Wrestle Kingdom, would be amazing. But all of us have that fear that it's not going to get the time to to perform, and it's not going to build up. Like, it might open the damn WrestleMania, which could be great, but it could not be. Nakamura has been wrestling Randy Orton matches since he showed up on the main roster. Yeah. So when does he get out of that cruise control and step it up? It should be here, but that there is no feud with Styles and Nakamura. There's nothing there. It's it's ugly build on SmackDown side, uh, and yeah, kind of 
went over the pay-per-view, I don't understand what that's going to build. Because nothing can really change. All champions yep. are going to come out with their belts. Um, I think Charlotte has nothing after this. so It's got to be Oscar. It has to be Oscar. I expect Carmella to cash in and, and whack out and not get the belt. Which is Yo. horrible for the first woman's Money in the Bank winner to break out on cash in. See, again, it's what SmackDown has been doing. They paint themselves into a corner. They gave Carmella the briefcase and then could never figure out when to truly have her cash it in. And now it's WrestleMania season. You're like, well, if any time is to do it, it'd be now. But she's never, she hasn't been on TV in months, like in a wrestling match, in a singles match. So how do you, how does this make sense? Like and, if she was winning the title, you'd be like, so she's just going to lose to somebody else. Yep. She's and, not good. And does Charlotte break Asuka's streak at Mania? Or if Oscar wins, Oscar's not dropping it and getting pinned by Carmella. Carmella's not breaking the streak. Yeah, Carmella's not breaking the streak. I mean, clearly, I feel like Ruby Riot is there to lose, which means she has nothing to do at WrestleMania. Which in Oscar, they've been teasing this too long. She has to challenge Charlotte because it, the only direction Alexa Bliss can go is Nia Jax. It's the only direction that that has been building for months and months and months. If they go another direction, that doesn't make sense. So. There, I mean, that, that's what it has to be. Like, Asuka beating Nia Jax, she has nothing for Alexa Bliss. There's nothing there. There's no future. She already beat her on television. That's the other problem. They've been giving <laughs> away way too much on free television in terms of one-on-one matches. Like, getting Cena and Nakamura on a regular-ass show was dumb. Yeah. You know, getting Asuka and Alexa Bliss was clearly a tip that said, these two aren't facing each other at WrestleMania, because why would you put it on a random-ass Raw? And it was like at an hour and 15 minutes into the show. It wasn't even the top-of-the-hour match. So it's like they clearly have to be going this direction with Asuka. They just and did the Fatal Five way. Yeah, that too. A free television. So you're just like adding five. John Cena to the exact same match. Yeah, that that kind of stuff, it makes my blood boil. Because it's like, why are you... Cause, and, and that was my problem with the gauntlet. Like the gauntlet match before Elimination pa- Chamber, any other Raw, I felt like it would have been great. But I felt like, why are we doing this the week before Elimination Chamber? The week of Elimination Chamber. The timing just seems weird. Not that the match itself was bad. It just seems like, why are we giving this away? Because now we got to do it in, in a cage in six days. Why are we doing a five-pack challenge? Now it's a, a six-pack challenge. Why are we doing this? Makes no sense. And it seems like they want to cram everything into the last three weeks, which is a horrible way to build stuff. It doesn't heighten anticipation. Yeah, SmackDown's in a bad spot. Raw, on the other hand, seems like it's a little bit better, but they're really trying to make us boo Brock Lesnar. It's not working. No, no, no. Because Paul Heyman. We don't even see Brock Lesnar. Like, we're not going to boo Paul Heyman. That's what it comes down to. I mean, some people do. You know, like the Roman Reigns and Marks, they they boo Paul Heyman. But (laughs) Paul Heyman cut an epic promo once again. It was like 20 minutes long, too. I was like, yo, is this still going? Yo, Paul is is so great at what he does. So, you know, if, if... and people are like, well, do you hate Roman Reigns? No, I don't hate Roman Reigns. I hate the predictability of the storyline. If he beats Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, this is dumb again. Like, they worked their way to this no matter what. It didn't matter how over Braun Strowman was. It didn't matter who got injured. They were going to give Roman Reigns the title again at WrestleMania. He just won the shit against... I mean, dog, he beat Triple H and won it. Then he beat The Undertaker last year to close out WrestleMania. Now he's going to beat Brock Lesnar? I mean... It's not Roman Reigns' fault at this point. Like, he's not a bad wrestler, but 
it's it's ridiculous. You can't really get people on your side when you keep forcing it down our throats. Not fun. No, no, it's not fun at all. Um, yeah, <sighs> I don't know, man. It's Lesnar has to drop the belt. Roman's gonna get his moment again. It's just like Elimination Chamber, where I was like, yo, this is a pretty good pay per view. I was hyped to be in the crowd, and then the end happened. And I was like, why am I upset? I knew this is how it was going to end. Because you held out hope for something different. It's com- the complete opposite of the AJ Styles thing. Like, we're watching AJ Styles this weekend because we're hoping he doesn't lose. Like, we're like, please, God, don't do something stupid and let John Cena win. Which we all don't think is going to happen, but it's AJ Styles. So you never really know. Roman Reigns, on the other hand, like, we all went in and was like, please, God, swerve us. Give us something different. And no, we didn't. It's not even please God. It's please Vince. Give us something different. <laughs> Vince, is, nah, Vince is like, this is my boy. And yeah. you're going to like it. So, yeah, yeah it's crazy. Um, we'll see what plays out this weekend. See which directions they go. NXT, though. NXT is adding the North American belt. It's not a spoiler, Dre. They tweeted this shit out. I know. So, I yeah, you can't avoid it. Another belt for a growing roster. Let me guess you don't like it. Don't don't like it at all. I've been Yo. calling for another belt for a year now. They need another belt. They're still damn, They're still too big though. Because if this is a mid card title, they don't have any mid carders. Well, so here's the thing: you have a UK title that you essentially only see once every two months, right? Like you, you we didn't see Pete Dunne for months after he won that title from Tyler Bate. Now you're adding another title. So how do we build towards this title? Because now you have the tag titles, the NXT title. UK title, North American title. And I guess they're adding another title to 205 Live as well. Yes, they like, are. Tag team like, titles, baby. It feels like boxing where you have too many goddamn titles. Because at the, you have a one-hour show still. And this North American title, what does it mean? Like, Why are you even calling it the North American title? What does this mean? I, like, I used to understand like the TV title. Like when Rob Van Dam had the TV title, or the TV title was on uh, NWA Wrestling before WCW. Yeah. I understand, like, the Intercontinental title. I don't understand the North American title. It goes with the UK title. I I think they're just trying to... I think that's NXT's stick, is to just go regional for these belts. Stupid. Let's have a regional. It's a whole... Like, that's Canada and the United States is North America. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. I mean, they already have the US title. They they can only have so much. Like, I, I... what do you do with this? Like, whoever wins it, does it matter? It does, because it just gives an added, uh, added little touch to another feud. What? We don't have, look, look, we don't have time to build the feuds that you already have. Like, because but they guys, have so much talent, you got to make it feel special, Dre. They let people hold the belt for six months. They get two pay-per-views in six months. So they're going to have three guys out of this stacked and loaded roster hold the belts ever before they move up to the main roster. That means Cole might not ever be champion. Uh, Aleister Black will obviously be champion, but what if he holds it for six months? I think that's good. Look, Ricky Steamboat, Mr. Perfect, Rick Rude, never won the heavyweight title. Perfectly fine with that. Jake Roberts never won the heavyweight title. Perfectly fine with that. I don't need everybody to win the title. And I don't need more titles to justify the talent. But they had a title. You just named a bunch of good IC champions. Yeah, but that was on, again, these were shows that were two hours long, for one. And they didn't have as much talent as NXT has right now. NXT has so much talent that you can't showcase them all. 
Like, it, oh, you almost forget. You still have the NXT. Like, how do you promote? I, I get, first of all, you got, you got like four takeovers a year, right? Four yeah, or five? Five now. Five. So you have five takeovers a year. But you have the UK title, the tag title, the women title, the North American title, and the NXT title. That's five titles. If you don't have a title, where do you fit? Because now it's like it's hard to create real feuds. The only organic feud that is visible is Gargano and Ciampa. And the only reason why it lasted this long was because Ciampa was injured. Otherwise, they probably would have been done with it already. But it, it, it kills like the slow build between feuds. Like, I don't need a title to have a feud with somebody. So, and all title matches don't always have to be like blood feuds. So, adding the North American title just gives another thing that you have to put ahead of a potentially great feud. That's my problem with it. Now, it's like one hour of television. It's like, what are you going to do? Every week, you're going to focus on one of the titles? I think so. I, yeah, I guess that's where you got to go. And then they have the tournaments. So, we have the Dusty Classic. Um, I'm pretty sure they'll throw in something else. I, I feel like they have a lot. They have to go for more than an hour. They do, but it's it's too much talent, and they, there's no give me an hour and a half show every week. I mean, even if you have an hour and a half show, there's still too much talent on NXT. And if you promote them to the main roster, they're gonna die because there's nowhere for them to move except for the 205 Live. There's nowhere to go. It's it's crowded right now. <laughs> I would say that it's it's pretty crowded right now. I mean, look, look, look. Perfect example. Adam Cole arrived, and everybody got excited. Adam Cole has essentially jobbed since he showed up on NXT. He has nowhere to go right now. Right? Yeah, he's just waiting, though. Him and Aleister Black have that feud in their back pocket. But, but then it's like, okay, but when you say that, immediately when you say that they have that feud in their back pocket, that means somebody else isn't challenging for that top spot. Yeah. So no matter what Ricochet does, no matter what... Uh, EC3 is there. Right. Like, no matter what they do, if, you, if that is a few that's in the back pocket, like, Adam Cole can't lose forever. But you're not establishing anything with Adam Cole. Like, right now, all he looks like is the jobber in the Undisputed Era, which is weird. It's a, it's a weird place for him to I don't look at him as a jobber. He lost one pay-per-view, won another one. He lost a couple times on the weekly shows, but... He's, but that's always, he's always dastardly. Like, how, do you, how do you get him to the point where you feel like, oh, he deserves a challenge for the title? That's my problem. There's no build for him to get start on a winning streak because you don't have time for him to be featured on a winning streak. He loses too much on television. So if Aleister Black is your champion, like, and again, it's like Aleister Black looks like he should be the champion, but I really don't want to see CN lose the title. No, it's too, it's, it feels quick still. Exactly. Like, I, I hope CN beats Aleister Black at NXT in New Orleans. Like, I hope that's what happens. I truly hope it, it does. Because I don't need the title to change hands. I mentioned that before. Longstanding champions make for better television. When, you, when, the, when the hot potatoes, it can get a little shaky. But CN, he has no place on the main roster. And he's kind of a guy who needs the title because it, it really enhances his character. So having him lose, where does he go? There's no, there's no room for him. Too much talent. Ricochet's got to show up. Uh, Donovan Dijak has to show up. War Machine has to show up. EC3 has to show up. Where do you get time for all this talent? It's, it's a good question. It, there's no answer. You're right. 
it's too much. They now have to expand the product. Like, They're doing yo. it with one title. They have to do it with the time now as well. Because no way can you just have four matches on a takeover anymore. Nah, you, it has to be a longer show. Like, takeover's going to have to be three hours. But the other problem is, like, you look at the Dusty Rose Classic, right, which started this week. Yeah. Then you look at the two brackets, and you're like, fuck out of here. You look at the right side, and it's like uh, the, the mustache mountains. You got, you got a bunch of teams that aren't going to win. Sanity, they're not going to win. It's like TM61, I'm surprised it got eliminated so early. I'm, not, I'm surprised we weren't on the other side of the bracket. It's a good match. You, yeah, which was a crazy spot. That power bomb to the edge of the apron. Oh that, god, I was like, yo, he just came back from injury. Like, yeah. are you really doing this again? But you look at that. You look at the Dusty Rose Classic, and you kind of go, well, what, what the fuck? Like, this is very predictable that Authors of Pain should win because nobody on the other side of that bracket has a chance because we haven't seen them. Yeah, <laughs> like we haven't seen anybody except and for sooner or later. AOP has to move back. They have to move up sooner or later. I, I guess they're only twenty four, but fuck. I mean, they have to move up. Like, they're in a spot now where they've pretty much done everything they could do. They've won the titles. They've lost the titles. They're going to probably compete again for the titles. They have to move up. It's like, you have to make room for War Machine. Like, they have to move up. Heavy Machinery's got to compete. Like, talk. Street, Street Profits. profits. Those Remember are my boys. Those guys? Like, what happened to them? They're in the tournament. Yeah, but I'm saying, I'm, I'm, my thing is, it felt like they were getting such a push, and then they, like, disappeared from television. Well, they only have so many people per week. At this exactly. point... Cian Almas, you see him every other week. And you see Aleister Black every other week. Outside of that, you see people once a month. That's I haven't seen Ember Moon in forever. And how does that make how does that endear you to an audience when I don't see you? Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. They need to add time. Cause it, it's just it's to that point. They've outgrown their britches. Yeah, it, time, not titles. That's my thing. I don't need I don't need more titles. It doesn't make your show I'm okay any better. with the one title. You nah. can't give them one title. No, the I, European I title doesn't count. They defend that shit once every four months. I'm just saying, I need more time. I don't need more titles. I don't need more things for you to defend when you don't have time to defend them. That's all. Yeah, add the time. Like I don't need more dialogue in a movie if I don't have more time. I don't need more talking if there's less action. Don't That's need fair. Uh, what do you think about Cruiserweight titles, real quick? I don't care. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, it looks I, like... I just want uh, them to get their own pay-per-view. They should, own, they should have their own pay-per-view Friday nights around the big three. Ooh, the or around the big four. Yeah. Hell no. Their own pay-per-view. They, they're going to be themselves. I don't care. Put them on Friday. Friday, 205 Live, Saturday, Where? NXT. Who's paying to go see 205 Live pay-per-view? On a WrestleMania he... weekend, you're not going to go on a Friday to see a 205 Live pay-per-view? Absolutely not. I'm probably going to go to the ROA show. Um... Like if, if that was if that's what I had to pick from like WrestleCon or something else, to, nobody goes to Two Hundred Five Live. People leave when Two Hundred Five Live takes place. They stopped leaving recently. Mm, do you think people are gonna pay for a separate Two Hundred Five Live pay per view? If you have guys like Gargano or if you bring back a Neville and oh yeah, it, that's gonna, a pretty damn good card. People are gonna pay to go to an arena for a Two Hundred Five Live pay per view. Yes, they used to pay for NXT before when it was top heavy. Mm, it's different. NXT was this very unique product that had a great deal of buzz. 205 Live has no buzz. No, it started off horribly. But I say that if you're adding the title, all this stuff, they need their own time. Uh, yeah, that's about it. ROH anniversary. Yeah. Coming up. Uh, everyone's going to the show here in Vegas. Has ROH cooled down? Yes. But ROH, look, 
ROH has the same booking issues that WWE does, but on an indie level. Like, weekly television, ROH doesn't matter. Nobody watches it. I don't watch it because it's inconsequential. Nothing ever happens that makes sense. And, like, <laughs> Jay Lethal in Dalton Castle for the title. That came out of nowhere. Like, yeah. it's, but it's, it's not even a case of, like, this will be a bad match. It's a case of, well, there's no way in hell Lethal's beating Dalton Castle already. So why are we doing this? Doesn't make any sense. The to booking is haphazard at best. Yeah, to me, they're in the spot that WCW was towards the end. I'm not saying that ROH is towards its end, but they're in that similar position where the NWO got so big, no one cared about anything outside of the NWO. And it dominated their show, and it had no other storylines that mattered. And that's where Bullet Club is now. Where if Bullet Club, in some form or fashion, isn't headlining your card, and now there's the dissension and the break, then it doesn't matter. The title doesn't matter. No, nah, because it's 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 booking. I don't. I wouldn't even necessarily blame Bullet Club because, like, four years ago when they had the uh, anniversary show, and Samoa Joe showed up, and you had like. Matches that mattered, or you had New Japan come and compete. Like it felt special. Now the title, it's like you had, you have a star in Dalton Castle. Yeah. This is not how you build a star. You you didn't like he just beat Cody for the title. This is not. This is like oh, let's just have him beat Jay Lethal to prove himself. But he's such a star. Like he should be involved in a, a bitter feud, not just like some random ass feud. Like I feel like there's more put into Supercard of Honor, which I don't. I don't know if that's actually televised live on pay per view. It never has been in the past. Yeah, I'm not sure um, if it is this year or not. That's a good question. But you're putting more effort into that than you are your actual pay per view, which is the anniversary show. Because to be honest, the stuff that's in the anniversary in that Supercard of Honor show on WrestleMania weekend should be happening in Vegas. Like we lucked out with the Hardys last year. If the Hardys didn't get released from TNA, we it was nothing that spectacular coming out of that show. That's true. So they're in a spot where they're putting they're investing all of this into the WrestleMania weekend show when they should be focusing on the thing like their like dog it's your anniversary show. Like that should be a big deal. But this just feels like a decent show. It doesn't feel like a big pay-per-view. It's weird. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's like, uh, the match is going to be good, right? Um, I guess there's still a surprise with who uh, the Bullet Club or, you know, Paige and the Young Bucks, uh, the Hung Bucks, are going to face. It just has a question mark, I believe, still. So No, maybe. it should it should be, uh, 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 shit, Christopher Daniels. No, they're uh, booked in a different match. What, they changed it? I think so. I, last I looked, I looked at something today. They gave me the final matchup card. I thought they were in something else. If not, then eh, I'm not excited about that match. Yeah, um, it should be the same thing. I don't think anything changed. But All right, know. yeah, so that's whack. So, yeah, there's nothing, like, over the top to really yeah, get excited Yeah, it's still there. It's, it's Social Uncensored versus the Hung Bucks. Yeah, that match is still there. Oh, okay, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, good then. Like, the only match that I'm truly looking forward to, because I think it'll be fun, is Takahashi and Flip Gordon. And it's happening for really no reason. Yeah, none at all. But it should be fun. I mean, Flip Gordon's Flip Gordon, I guess. Get some good spots. And that's it. It it means nothing. This is their fast lane. It's like, yo, just just get us to the anniversary. Just get us to the Supercard show. The anniversary's turned into fast lane. (laughs) And that's, that's a damn shame. 
Um, yeah, truly. Yeah, man. So that's wrestling. We're going to take a quick break, come back, talk boxing, UFC before we get out of here. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. Before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper Mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the Great North. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk-free. Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards your Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep and these things are for real. Make it happen. But now it's time to get back to talking combat sports. So stay with us. All right, that was quick. We are back. We got to talk boxing. Wait, wait, wait. Before we talk about boxing, can we talk about Royce 5-9 destroying the Funkmaster Flex show? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, I almost forgot about that. I watched that freestyle like three times back to back to back to back. Uh, the flow is incredible, right? We talked about Royce last week. He's definitely better than M. It's just, <laughs> it is what it is. Like, whoever says otherwise is just living on a different planet right now with no eardrums. Um, he made that look easy. Yo, that was light work. He's really good at what he does. <laughs> um, and, you know, I have my GOAT list still coming out on DJ Booth in about a week uh, of the different lists. And Royce 5'9 is definitely on the Bernard Hopkins list. The guy was great when he was younger, but it seems like somehow he's gotten older and much better. And, and it's not even much better because Boom is still like one of my favorite Royce 5'9 songs ever. But this freestyle... Come on, man. He's just so much cleaner. Like, he just... He was he was one of those guys who was like a knockout artist when you're young. But then you lose a little bit of athleticism. So you gain so much technique that you're better when you're older. It's, it's like baseball pitchers. Where you see a guy who loses his fastball. You can't throw 100 anymore. But he gets a nasty curve. Or a splitter, or something dirty, and it carries from six years, and he's unhittable. Royce found that groove, where it's just yeah. like he—he's so much technically better and cleaner, and his flow—he has so many different flows, and he can rhyme out of pocket and make it sound great, and he just jumps in and out of a beat. He—he he has the dramatic pauses now. Stopping to reference flex in between was great. It, he just has that little—that little difference for flair. Like when he came out with the high Rihanna, just, just the stopping out of nowhere and adding something for emphasis is something he does better than almost everyone. Yeah. This is, I mean, LeBron tweeted him today. Like, like I was like, yo, I had texted him earlier. And he was just like, man, thanks, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, he responded to my text, but LeBron's hitting you. <laughs> I'm like, son, what the fuck? Like, LeBron? Like, Black Thought hit him. Like, that was amazing. Like, yo, 
Oh, head to head, that black dog freestyle was crazy. We're getting some good freestyles on flex. I, yeah, I think people are just really. I mean, it's it's really about bars. Like guys who want to show up on these freestyles to show out. You know, like Saha the Prince always shows out on a freestyle. And I think he uh, gets criminally underrated. Even his album's underrated. Uh, no Dope on Sundays was a great album. But he always shows up. So, like, a lot of these guys are realizing, like, yo, I kind of got to give it my all. So, Royce, Black Thought, I mean, 2018 is already off to a great start. Um, the world will finally get to hear the Prime 2 album next week. Uh, it's on NPR right now. If you guys go, you can actually listen to it on NPR. I was going to say, someone today. streamed it, right? I was at work. Yeah. I couldn't find it. Like, Royce yes. tweeted out. It was, like, a special listening. I was yeah. tight. NPR's got it. They'll be up for the next week. But, uh. You know, you get to listen to that. Like Fonte's album came out last week. It's just a good year for rap. Um, and it, it, we're in a fortunate place because I'm not fucking with Lil Xan. So I'm listening to Fonte, Royce, Elzai, uh, Sky Zoo, who had a great album. It's just, and we're, dog, we're not even three full months in to the year. Crazy. It's, just, it's, it's great. And anyway. I, and I, uh, yeah, yeah, while you're doing that and jumping around before we got into boxing, can you believe NFL, so many damn trades? I keep to leave was just traded to the Rams. How many DBs do the Rams need? I don't know, man. Football, yo. Marcus I mean, Peters, see, damn, they got everybody. You can't throw on the Rams. You know, Ogletree gets traded. Uh, the Bennett brothers, uh, one's released. You know, Michael Bennett's traded to the, the Eagles. Uh, I... Yo, just just let me know when the season starts. Like, I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll see what happens in the draft. And the I'll mentality like, oh. of a Niners fan. Yeah, like, yo, let me know when the season starts. We got Garoppolo. Um, do we put some weapons around him? Are uh, we drafting a running back later in the draft? Because uh, we're not sure what the fuck's going to come out of Carlos Hyde. You know, other than that, like, I, the trades, like, we're not trading anybody. I don't care. So it's not like we got any real bargaining chips on the table. We'll see where Kirk Cousins goes. But other than that, I don't care. Let's start the season. I need to see if Jimmy G's for real. Earn your money. Yeah. All right, let's talk boxing. We got uh, Deontay Wilder versus Ortiz this weekend. Wild-ass fight. We had to watch this cage side from UFC. Thank God it was during the uh, Arlovsky fight. <laughs> and we were like, yo, him and Struve? We were like, nah, yeah, we're good. We'll pass all this. And we were glued in to this boxing match. Uh, Deontay Wilder with his first real test. Yeah. And he damn near ain't survived. I'll say this, man. The guy, the guy got a chin. And, and somehow he, his legs stayed up. Because everyone else, everyone else touches the canvas. At least for a count. Yeah. I mean, Lu- Luis Ortiz put them things on him. Look, a lot of people are like, yo, Luis Ortiz is 38, you know, maybe like 40-something. Who knows? He's Cuban. <laughs> but, uh, yo, but uh, people forget he's like an Olympic boxer. The motherfucker's good. Right? Like, Luis Ortiz, King Kong is a great heavyweight. Oh, he uh, wasn't bad by no means. No. So, but here's the thing about Deontay Wilder. And I'm actually writing this as we speak. That's the other thing I'm on deadline for. Flaws are fun. Flawed fighters are what makes boxing fun. Perfection is fucking boring. Watching <laughs> Floyd Mayweather fight is really boring because he's so perfect. Deontay Wilder, on the other hand, makes some egregious mistakes in the ring. He overcommits. He crowds himself. Um, he leaves his hands down sometimes. He makes a ton of mistakes. But that's what makes the shit fun. Because he has the great equalizer, which is that big right hand or left hand, or whichever hand he chooses to hit you with, that changes everything. When you have flaws, boxing is fun. The greatest fights, Gotti and Ward, they weren't technically sound. They weren't Pernell Whitaker. Pernell Whitaker's never going to be in a fight of the year. Floyd Mayweather, never going to be in a fight of the year, unless they change their styles. But when you're flawed, shit is fun. 
Deontay Wilder makes boxing fun because against Joshua, he's going to get rocked, but we'll see if he goes down. He yeah. makes boxing fun. And Joshua might get rocked, which is even crazy. Nothing's more entertaining to watch than when Wilder has someone hurt and he just comes in, just arms are flinging. Just no accuracy, wild ass punches, throwing it from the hip. He doesn't, and if one just glances you, you're down. He didn't even hit Ortiz with clean shots towards that. He's yeah. like mushing his face in with the gloves, and he has so much power that it didn't matter. It was still knocking him on his ass. Yeah, I mean the uppercut that finished him was was crazy, but yeah, it's it's those flaws make Deontay Wilder fun. Now I know he, you know, he's like my comeback was greater than Joshua's. Eh, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Good thing you said it though, because it's fun to actually talk about it. I like Deontay Wilder and what he brings to boxing. I like everything that he's doing right now. But if anybody's watching Deontay Wilder, like people that say he's not good or crazy, people that say he's easily going to be the next uh, dominant heavyweight are also crazy. He's kind of in the middle right now uh, because he's one of those guys that he can get exposed. There are holes in his game. If you can weather the Deontay Wilder storm, you can beat him. Luis Ortiz, if there was a different referee, very possible they could have stopped that fight. No. Or if they had, I mean, the guy they, didn't touch the ground. I know, but I mean, we've seen worse stoppages in boxing. It shouldn't have been stopped. I'm not saying that at all. But there are referees that would be like, oh, it's too much punishment. Because he was getting hit with everything. Yeah. And if, if there was another 20 seconds, he probably would have touched the canvas. So if Joshua gets him into that, in that situation earlier in the round, you know, Wilder might get put away. Because look, man, Deontay, first of all, the scorecards were fucking bullshit. Deontay Wilder was losing the fight. He was just giving rounds away. He wasn't doing anything. He couldn't figure out the southpaw. Um, he wasn't active enough. And he was letting Luis Ortiz do his thing. And was still um, up on the cards. Which, yeah, that was ridiculously wrong. However, you can't make that same mistake against Anthony Joshua because it could turn around and bite you in the ass. Or maybe Luis Ortiz is going to be the best person that he's fought. We don't know, but that's the fun part about it. It's almost as fun as Kell Brook saying that he fights Errol Spence at 154, he's going to beat his ass, which is fucking hilarious. <laughs> but, but he said it. Like, Kell Brook, he, he was dead ass serious. Straight face said it. Yo, son, he got a knockout this weekend in his comeback fight and immediately called out Errol Spence. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? What? Like, I'm going to watch him at 154. No, you're not. No. Errol Spence is a pretty big 147-pounder, and he washed you pretty well. Did he break his eye socket? That that was Golovkin broke his eye socket. I thought Spence broke his other one. Yeah, I think I think, I think both eyes are fucked smashed up. Smashed the orbital, like Golovkin's crushed the orbital, and I think Spence fractured his socket or some shit like that. The <laughs> motherfucker should be blind. But this is boxing right now is fun. Like there are things I'm looking forward to. Adrian Broner, he's a psychopath. He's nuts. He's calling out Keith Thurman, which is fucking ridiculous. But it's fun. He's fighting Jesse Vargas. Look, I don't I don't really care for Jesse Vargas. I've talked about his style. I've talked about it on the show a million times. But that's not a bad fight. I'm actually looking forward to that fight. Yeah, Broner Broner, could definitely lose that shit, though. Yeah. Whack himself all the way out. Broner is flawed. And occasionally, he makes fighting fun. So he's never really been in a truly boring match unless he checks out like he did against Mikey Garcia, who was a little bit too technically sound for him. But Jesse Vargas could be a fun fight. Boxing's fun. Good time. Yeah. um, Man, I can't wait. Can't wait to see what comes of these matchups. Joshua... If Joshua winning, Joshua Wilder has to be next, right? Nothing else. There is no other option. 
Yeah, you would think so, but you know, like Joshua Parker, like Joshua Parker is a big deal, right? Um, because it's not a give me fight for Anthony Joshua. Jo- you know, uh, Joseph Parker has a great chin. He's a great fight. He's undefeated. Joshua could lose. Not many people are expecting to. The issue is, is that I feel like the promoters on both sides are looking at Wilder and Joshua and saying we can milk this for more, right? Because it's not really peaked yet. It, ha- it it's a big deal to us as boxing, like hardcore boxing fans, like we want this fight now. But the reality is mainstream America doesn't really give a shit. Like, yo, I was watching part of the interruption. I saw the same shit. Tony had no yeah. clue who, who uh, Joshua was. But no, he had no so, clue who Wilder was and forgot Joshua's whole name. Yeah. So it's like when that happens and mainstream America doesn't really know, like heavyweight boxing is usually the pulse of boxing with the exception of like Floyd Mayweather and Oscar De La Hoya eras and Manny Pacquiao. Heavyweight boxing has always been the pulse. Like when, wherever the heavyweight boxing goes, pretty much where boxing goes. So when Tyson was running shit, people were paying attention. So it's like Ali was doing the same thing. Joe Frazier, the list goes on and on. But with, jo- with Joshua and uh, Deontay Wilder, you have a guy in Deontay Wilder who should be on like first take, who should be on Undisputed. He should be on all these shows because... He's fun to watch, and all you got to do is put on a few seconds of a clip, and people are like, oh, shit, I want to watch him, which is exactly what happened on part of the interruption. And they're like, oh, shit, this guy's fun. But that fight doesn't have the juice yet. Like, I feel like you you got to give Wilder some kind of gimme fight, and I don't think this is a great decision. I don't like boxing to do this, but in this case, because this is a fight that is undoubtedly going to be good between Wilder and Joshua, if nothing else, somebody's going to get hurt. But you got to build it. And you, you can't build with- Don't you lose out on rematches? The longer it takes to make the fight, the less of a chance we'll see a great feud. You you do, but then you, like the other side of the coin is this. Then you could possibly end up with Ward versus Kovalev, which is the number the two best pound for pound fighters at that particular time, and nobody gave a fuck. And then nobody gave a fuck about the rematch. So you're on a slippery slope because you gotta build it. Because Wilder isn't Ward, Wilder's fun to watch, but not enough people know him. Joshua lives in the UK, doesn't really care about coming to the States. So you've got to find a way to build this fight. You've got to do something. You gotta put like you maybe you gotta put them on the same card. Like yeah. you have a split scene thing, you have a split thing where because then you still have Tyson Fury lurking out there as well. Yeah, you gotta but bring you, him to Vegas. Uh, Joshua's well, concerned. Like you feel like you have to, but it's very hard for his promoter Hearn to say, listen, I'm gonna take him out of this 70, 80,000 seat arena and I'm gonna put him in your 16,000 seat arena where he might not sell out. It's really hard for to, for him to commit to doing that unless you pay him a boatload of money. But if you do a split site paper, uh, not pay per view, a split site show on Showtime where Wilder is fighting in Vegas or wherever the fuck Brooklyn, and Josh is fighting overseas, and you have to also have it at a weird hour so it shows up on time in the states. That's the other problem with Joshua having to fight at three o'clock in the afternoon. Nobody's looking for boxing at three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. It has to be at night. But uh, it's, you have to build that fight. You have to build the momentum to that fight. It's building. We're ready to see it, but the general population doesn't give a shit yet. It's a damn shame because that's a fight boxing heads really want to see. And that's- the money has to match up, though, I guess. And the money's not there yet. You damn, you got to take an L on the first one, just money-wise, and say, you know what, we're just going to re-up. And your other concern is if you do it and you're like, man, I hope for a rematch. And then, like, Wilder washes Joshua, then you're like, fuck. <laughs> that yeah, second round KO. Just either way would end that whole strategy. 
Man, that's that's crazy. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Those two, uh, Kovalev came back. Do you care? No. No, easy KO. Uh, one thing I do need to see, Adonis Stevenson and Kovalev has to happen. That's his last true test. Well, I mean, shit, Adonis has to get by Badu Jack in April, You, are you which just... is not a gimme fight. Oh, Adonis ain't losing to Badu Jack, though. Mm, is that listen. here? No. No, that's in Canada. I don't Canada. know where the fuck that fight. I think that shit's in Canada. I think it's in Canada. But Adonis, I mean, look, if there's anybody that's going to get old overnight, because Adonis is old. Adonis He's is old 40. as hell, yeah. So if, and Badu's actually really good. So Badu could beat him. Could. But yeah, I think we need to see Stevenson and Kovalev as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, boxing, I mean, this weekend we got Garcia and Lipness is happening, uh, which I will be, I'll watch that because I, I like Mikey Garcia. I think he's one of the top 10 pound for pound fighters in the world. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping this, this, he doesn't go to 147 and rush that shit. Because all his competition's uh, up there. All his money's up there. And he's been yeah, talking he a lot be. about going up there. And I'm like, eh, just reign over 140. He took that yeah. hiatus and shit. Like, just get, get your grounds about you. He'll be all right. Like, I don't think he's in a hurry to do 147. It's, it's tantalizing, but you're going to have to pay Mikey Garcia. Mikey's a good businessman. So I don't think he'll rush into it. I think he'll hang around at 140, clean house. Um, and then, you know, maybe ch- see if he can chase down Ch- Terrence Crawford or some shit like that, which would be a great fucking fight. Um, but, yeah. Boxing's fun, but we should talk about something that's not as fun, UFC. Oh, what do you, I had a ball at UFC 222. Mm. We had Shay Shack. We had a that should never smoke be the barbecue. <laughs> it should never be the highlight of a card is what you ate. Listen, you know we like, we like the food in T-Mobile. Everyone knows that who listens to the podcast. It's one of the highlights, but the fights were actually surprising. I thought it was a good card. No, it, no look, 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 it was a good card. Um, there's, there's like UFC 222 was a, a solid card where it was really bottom heavy. Like you backtracked really some, on that. You went from good to solid. Solid is good. Okay. Like it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't one of the best UFC. Like in terms of action, it wasn't one of the best cards we ever seen. Like Arlovsky and Struve was fucking terrible. Um, Mackenzie Dern didn't, didn't get it finished. Um, I mean, Cyborg. Come on, that was a gross, grotesque mismatch. Uh, that was fun though. She hit the girl in the face once. And yeah, she but, like went down. Kunitskaya. That, that's why I said it was that's why I say it's solid. Like Sean O'Malley um could have lost that fight. Should have lost he, that fight. By no all, fault of his own. All you had to do was stand up. Um Zingano fight was eh, we were eating rolling smoke, so we didn't uh really pay I didn't pay that much attention, but um I watched it again at home, Zingano lost. It was a it was a the, it was a solid card. It wasn't like anything that you're going to remember except for Brian Ortega lifting Frankie Edgar off his feet with that fucking uppercut. Yeah, Ortega, that, that was nasty. I mean, none of, neither of us picked him to win. No. No Mm-mm. one picked him to win first round knockout. No, no, like nobody on this planet could say Brian Ortega's winning by first round knockout. If you do, I'm calling you a liar. By the way, someone on my Twitter before, like three, ma- three fights before, said Ortega second round knockout. Yo, listen, man. Look, I know, like, my picks were wrong last week. I had a few people. <laughs> oh, you were wrong last week. The only thing I got right uh, was the under. Well, there was something else I got right. But I got the under on the cyborg in the sky fight, right? Like, that was the main thing I got. But they were like, oh, you picked Frankie Edgar. You're stupid. Somebody was like, I was like, look, look, man, a broken clock is right twice a day. If you pick some random ass shit, it'll eventually happen. To pick Brian Ortega and knock out Frankie Edgar in the second round is some random ass shit. Because there was nothing. In Brian Ortega's career, and given the fact that Frankie Edgar had never been knocked out nor stopped, 
There was nothing that said second round knockout. That was random as shit. But you, you were still wrong. He knocked him out the first round. The first round. Yeah, that shit was crazy. And the elbow, it looked like, is the first thing to rock him. Yeah, the elbow cleaned him out. The short elbow. And uh, to me, guys who don't get stopped, I think that's a, it's a real trend. Where it's like, yo, this guy has a history of not being stopped. How do we stop him? You catch him with something so unorthodox that he can't stand. Cody Garbrandt, amazing jaw. He gets punched in the face. He can eat punches all day. You kick him in the head. Daniel Cormier, amazing jaw. Hit him in the face. Hit him all day. He can take that shit. Take a punch from Rumble. He's fine. You kick him in the head. How do you stop someone else? You need them. You got to do wild shit for people who don't get stopped all the time. Um, look at Nate Diaz, right? He got stopped. Only time he got stopped, he caught a knee to the grill. Yeah, and, I, and he wasn't even, the ref stopped it. I think Nate still wanted to go. Um, so guys like that who are just damn near invincible and they just, you're, you have to beat them in a long ass fight. Uh, you got to hit them with something unorthodox and that elbow qualifies. Elbow's yeah. a lot harder than the fist. Yeah, I mean, it's true. It's the worst shit you get hit with is the one that you don't see coming. And I'm, I'm sure, because I, I remember, I think I tweeted it, like, uh, less than 30 seconds before it happened. I was like, look, if Frankie stands with Brian in this type of fight, he should win. It should be very easy for him. But then he, he threw some shit that he wasn't expecting. A short elbow. And, I mean, the uppercut, yeah, we all talk about that uppercut, but that short elbow discombobulated Frankie so much that, like, the end was inevitable yeah. at that point. Or he couldn't do anything. Yeah, he couldn't defend himself. Like, he was he was done because he didn't see it coming. So you're absolutely right, man. You know, when you got fight guys who don't get knocked out, you got to hit him with something different. Um, that Max Holloway, Brian Ortega, sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds like a lot of fun. Don't know when they book it. Who, who knows? Who cares? I'm here for it. I'm assuming, like, June. Uh, it doesn't have a highlight, right? It doesn't have a headliner. Chicago. No, I don't, you know, Max is talking about, like, I think he wants July. Everybody wants in on this July. Everyone fight. wants mm. July. But come on, you can't have four time matches. No. Yeah, you can't have it. So um, maybe, yeah, maybe they do do it in Chicago. Uh, either way, you know, I know Ortega wants to take a break. He took this fight on short notice. Uh, he just got finished choking out Cub Swanson before this. So uh, he probably takes some time off. I know he's, like, not in a rush. The title fight is his. So, just, you know, get Max healthy and, and go ahead and do it. Um, but that was, like, the biggest takeaway. There was some movement on the, the rankings list. Uh, but other than, I mean, there wasn't anything huge. Brian Caraway lost. Caraway uh, lost. I mean, you, you look at Hernandez in his debut, knocking well, out that, Dariush out of damn, fucking nowhere under that. a minute. Crazy. Yeah, that was, that was nuts. Yo, he tried to dirty Mac him, too. Like, he was like, yeah, <laughs> high five. He's like, I'll kick you in the fucking face. I was like, yo, this guy is grimy. Darius is going to beat him up because of it. I was absolutely wrong. Darius got murdered. Murdered. But I think it was like a straight right hand. Yep. Murdered. Darius. That was the highlight of the night until Ortega won. Like, that shit was crazy. And I think the kid got the knockout bonus, which he deserved. He got a performance of the night bonus. Yeah, yeah he absolutely deserved it. Because nobody saw it coming. No, no one at all. And Mackenzie Dern... Uh, may or may not have been gifted that decision. Uh, it no, was the first she, round. It was a toss-up. I'll give it to her. She won. But uh, it's, it's, you look at Mackenzie Dern, you're like, all right, you're on the verge of being Sage Northcutt. Like, you get matched up wrong, you could lose. Yeah, I mean, but I don't think she's scared of losing. To, to that effect, I'm not sure if Sage was scared oh, of losing. Sage lost at 170. That, that, like, she, uh, Sage Northcutt, Mackenzie Dern, they're not the ones who concerned with losing. Dana White and UFC are the ones who are concerned with them losing. And that's it's so this, supremely short-sighted because this is, once again, a sport 
for 30-year-olds. This is a sport for grown-ass people. It's mixed martial arts. You're not well-rounded for 28, 29. What Holloway does, what John Jones does, what Connor does, this shit's an anomaly. Frankie Edgar is in his prime. Frankie Edgar is well-rounded. You see guys like Eddie Alvarez, they may lose, but he's well-rounded. You you hit that stride. Cormier didn't even start until he was 32. Uh, around 31, 32. Like, this isn't a sport for little-ass kids. They're 21, 22, 23. That shit's tough. Like, you're going to lose. Like you, you're at this level, then you're going to lose. Yeah, but the illusion of being undefeated and what it means, um, you know, it, it, losing hurts your stock. Especially, you know, I mean... Because you're right. You look in Bellator, Aaron Pico, and what happened to him on his debut, yep. and then what happened to him in his next fight. Got it out the way. You're going to lose eventually. It's very, very, very difficult to go undefeated in MMA because these gloves are too goddamn small. There's too many ways for you to lose. Unless you're John Jones, where you only lose to the nose candy and, and the steroids. But otherwise, everybody's going to lose a fight. But in Mackenzie Dern's case, you got to look good winning, though. And she didn't necessarily look good winning this fight. No, she stood up and, too long. She looked amazing on the ground. And then that's her wheelhouse. But is who? I hope she figures out how to score a takedown. Yeah, Can't just be <laughs> dragging people down. That yeah. shit don't work all no, the time. No, those double leg attempts were feeble at best until the last yeah. one. No bueno. So it's like with her, you got to kind of match her up, um, and, and you don't push her too quickly. You know, there's people like who was that? Flow Combat. Does Mackenzie Dern determine a title shot? Deserve a title yeah, shot? Yeah, no, what? <laughs> like, I know what you're trying to do. I know you're trying to get some traction on your article. I get, you know, headlines, but stop with the jokes. Like, no, no, Mackenzie Dern does not deserve anything remotely close to a title shot. And don't push her into that kind of position. Let no. her grow as a fighter. Could you imagine her getting two-piece by Joanna? Hell no. She, she get murdered. Yeah, and she has a skill set, though. Like I say, like with Damian Maya, like... If you get someone to the ground, no one's defending that. Like, it's a matter of time. She just has to sharpen her skills on getting people to the ground and not getting knocked out before then. No, every fight starts standing up. Yeah. And if you can't figure out how to get the fight to the mat, like, if you go back to Damian Maya, which is a great example, who learned how to wrestle, and you go back and you watch the Damian Maya Nate Marquardt fight, which is UFC, like, 106, some crazy shit like that. And Maya didn't know what to do because Marquardt at the time was, was top tier striker, looked like he was going to challenge for the middleweight title. So what did Damian Maya do? He just ran and like did a flying knee and like in the fight. And Marquardt just shellacked him with the right hand, and that was the end of the fight. That point on, Damian Maya had to change everything, like because it was like, well, I can't just be running at people. Mackenzie Dern needs to do the same thing. The way she was throwing those punches with her chin way up in the air, a, a, a decent striker would knock her out. Yeah. So she's got she's got to learn the game. You got to learn like how do I set up takedowns? Damian Maya learned how to set up takedowns. He fought Carlos Condit. Take, took him down immediately and subbed him. Mackenzie Dern's got to learn that type of wrestling. Yeah, it's a whole different level. And, you know, like it said, Damian Maya. Great. Like, Damian Maya is better today than he was. Uh, RDA, yeah. better today than he was. You know, sometimes the losses are what helps. Sometimes you just got to change shit. It's true. Yeah, so um, that's crazy. So we'll see where that goes. It was a good card. Um we enjoyed it. A couple other things in MMA, but we can get to that next week. That's our show for today. We got to get wait, out so, of wait, here. Wait, 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 wait. There's one small thing. Uh-oh. Conor McGregor's Burger King commercial. Oh, I almost forgot about that. Listen, let the champ champ does, do what he wants. 
and get the um, fuck out of here with anything that's not chicken strips. I feel like we'll t- we can talk about this more next week. This Burger King commercial is indicative of the fact that we might not see Conor McGregor again this year. I really think that he's collecting his check. Like the more he stays away, the more in demand he becomes. He's still young. There's no reason to rush to the. I mean, I'm sure he's training, but there's no reason to to rush into a fight if they're not paying you what you feel you deserve. And you can pay pay a little bit less to sell some goddamn spicy chicken. So if you're doing that and the UFC's not upping the cash, because I don't think Conor McGregor wants to do a promo tour. Mm-hmm. I don't think he wants to be away from his son. I don't think he wants to do, and I think, like, really his son is very important part of this story. I don't think he wants to do anything that's, that could, he can lose and lose, not everything, but he can lose a lot in losing another fight. So why not do a Burger King commercial takes, like, six hours out your day, make a, you know, whatever Burger King pays you, then go home and do another commercial, and another one, and TV, and, and this. When you see that, I don't see him coming back this year. He could. I'm not saying it's completely out of the question, but I think he wants to fight. I, I don't. I think he wants to fight, but I don't think he wants to do deal with everything else surrounding a fight. I don't think he wants to promo tour. I don't think. I think he wants to train, but on his own terms. I don't think he wants to do anything towards building a fight and being away from his son and his and his soon to be wife. I don't know. D. But. Uh, <laughs> But um, I don't think like right why are you now, questioning that? Why was there a question? Soon to like, be wife? Question when mark? Question married, mark. Dog? Like what's left? What's you're rich? What's the She's rush? Rich. What's the rush? I mean, shit. Why not? It took LeBron it's, forever to get married too. Some people yo, believe it ain't Le- cheating until you marry. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, it's either here nor there. But the the point <laughs> is, I, I just don't necessarily see Conor McGregor rushing to a fight. That could determine his future when he can continue to eat off of his presence. Because he's still the biggest presence in the UFC. And Burger King is just one of the dominoes. And people are going to be like, oh shit, we got to get Conor in a commercial. Conor might act. Conor might do anything but fight for the next year. I think the fighting bug's going to catch him. But is, what is he, uh, uh, like, you might be right. He's always he's a competitor first. But he's a businessman. Is like 1A, 1B to his 1A. Being a businessman. And I know... I'm sure he thinks about if I go into a fight because I've lost before. It's not like losing is foreign to me. If I go into a fight, I need to get paid what I'm worth because in the event I lose, my clout is severely diminished. It's not the same. Like if Floyd Mayweather were to lose, he can't make a video game like he could before. He can't sell the things that he sold before. So Connor, I think he wants to fight, but I think he's going to be smart because I think he wants to go see to throw the bag at him. So. But if he holds out too long, they're never going to pay him what he wants. They're never going to pay him fair market value for what he brings. That's well, we'll see. We'll see. Well, we can indulge in that another time um, because I'm sure there's more of this, the kind yeah. of saga. Until then, just eat your Burger King and let the champ champ sell his chicken sandwiches. You know, wrong. He was on a private jet. Nothing's more boss than that. Connor's going to be Connor, and the UFC has to catch up to his level. Um, for now though, that's our show. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at the corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hell. For today though, we are out. Peace.